Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you guys so much for joining us here for another episode, wherever in the world you're listening to us from, whatever platform you're listening to us on. Thank you guys so much for joining us. This episode is one that is really interesting and and really something that I'm glad I'm able to get a discussion in on because we're going to talk a little bit of AAU and high school basketball and specifically the the, the partnership or in some cases, maybe the, the lack of partnership where there should be one between AAU coaches and high school coaches. I think for anybody who's been involved in the high school game for any length of time knows that this is sometimes a real tricky area. The the partnership or the relationship between uh, a player and, and you and the player and that AAU coach and the way you talk with that AAU coach. There's a lot of interesting things to kind of unwrap and discuss. And, and I'm not saying we're going to have all the answers here today, but I think what this episode will do and what this discussion will do is hopefully open up maybe some discussion points get you some new thoughts, some new perspectives, and hopefully just make us that much better when we're talking to, you know, whether it's a high school coach or an AAU coach to just ultimately make the experience better for our players. So this will be one that that I think everybody listening will be able to get something, something good out of. And I'm really happy to have to join me to discuss this topic. He is an AAU coach uh, for the RS Gold AAU team. Very happy to be joined by head coach Ruben Lopez. Coach, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? How's it going? How's it going, everybody? Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, this should be fun. Like you said, this is a very interesting topic, a topic that that can have about a thousand different perspectives for sure. So it'd be interesting. <laughs> To see it, uh, it's a good dynamic. The fact that you're a you're a high school coach yourself. I'm I'm coming from the AAU side, so this should be fun. Yeah, and and let's get started, coach, with your journey. Where's your basketball journey, and and where's your coaching journey? And I think specifically for this question, I'd be curious as you talk about your basketball and coaching journey. Uh, what got you interested in in coaching AAU as well? If you wouldn't mind touching on that as you go through your journey here. Yeah, of course. Um, so sports has always been a big, big part of my life, you know, since, since high school. I was actually wasn't necessarily uh, big on basketball when I was younger. I was a, I was a football player and kind of uh, emphasized that. Uh, but as I grew, um, I learned to really love the basketball game. I love to play football, but I love to watch. I love to really study the basketball, uh, the basketball game as a whole. and. Um, I used to be in the military. Uh, I spent uh, 11 years in, in the Air Force. And uh, while I was in the Air Force, I had my kids. Um, and, well, they began into their, their own sports world. And uh, when I left the military, I came back home here to El Paso, Texas, and uh, came back to my community, basically where, where we're from. My, my wife started teaching um, at, an ele- at an elementary in our area. And with that, I kind of gained a connection. I started getting my kids into sports. And essentially what happened was I took my son to a basketball team. Um, I had, we went to a couple of practices where the coach brought out a, a bag of basketballs, dumped them out in the middle of the court and said, uh, all right, guys, you know, grab a ball. And um, I guess my wife got a little 
frustrated at my frustration and how I was voicing the frustration of what was going on. <laughs> and essentially she said, well, if you don't like it, why don't you start your own team? So I started my own team. <laughs> I went there on and uh, <laughs> I, I went to, to my small community that, that, uh, that we're from uh, through the elementary that my wife was, was teaching at at the time and um, put out a couple of flyers hoping to get a, a handful of players enough to form a team for my son. And ended up by by the end of uh, practices and everything, uh, the first few practices I ended up having to make. Uh, I was I had two boys fourth grade teams, two girls fifth grade teams. Uh, excuse me, two boys fourth grade teams, two fifth boys, two fifth girls, and a pee wee team that I ended up with after <laughs> wow. two practices. Um, so the way I got into the AAU world was essentially the the progress and the development that I had in my in my small little um, you know elementary age teams the just the dedication and the progress that that was being shown by the players just demanded a lot more from me as a coach and it demanded a lot more competition for them and uh, it just kind of evolved into a travel program that we are now where we've been a you know a true travel program for about the last four years where we're emphasizing going to you know, NCAA type tournaments and getting girls uh, recruited into into college basketball. I wanted to ask, um, just as kind of a follow up to that, because I know that there's there's coaches who are um, perhaps interested in the AAU world or starting up an AAU program or, or having an AAU uh, team of their own that they might end up inherit inheriting and coaching. Can you talk a little bit about what the uh, the, the time commitment, especially in the beginning, was like for you as you were getting that going, especially when you had so many players who were interested in so many teams. What was kind of the, the, the process, I guess, in terms of how much time it took for you to really kind of get things going and get things moving with that? The, the time commitment in terms, of, in terms of like practices and games, uh, to me, that's the fun part. Mm -hmm. So I never really see that as the... Um, as a burden or, or as kind of a, you know, time consuming, I guess, in that sense. Um, the preparation aspect of it, I think that's very much up to you as a, as a coach, as an individual, and what you're really planning to get out of, of being an AAU coach. Um, because you can be a show up on Sundays type of coach. And, and you know, as long as you have the right players, you can be successful that way. Um, but if you are really looking to develop players, which is my emphasis when it comes to uh, to my coaching is just 100% on development versus winning or anything, any other aspect of basketball. Um, there's definitely that that time outside of the, just the general practices, you know, planning practices so that the whatever you're doing at your practice is you're maximizing that time. In, in AAU, we don't have the luxury of a high school coach um, where we have practices every day. One of our, you know, high school classes is basketball. Uh, we, you know, we see our kids in high school, you see your kids, you know, six times a week. Uh, in AAU, we just don't have that that luxury. So if we have an hour like myself, I practice twice a week for about two hours a week, uh, two hours of practice, excuse me. So you really have to emphasize the time that you spent with those kids and uh, the planning phase of your practices is crucial to that. So really, um, you're talking about obviously several hours in, in researching and, mm -hmm. and putting things together. Uh, you know, research and development type type stuff. So, I mean, the type commitment is definitely something to consider. Yeah. But if 
you're passionate about coaching, I, I don't necessarily think that it becomes uh, a burden. Yeah, just no, no. I mean, I, I totally agree that it has to be one of those things where um, you really have to be really efficient with your time. That's for sure. If you're going to have limited practice time, which we all know exists in the AAU world, you just got to really, uh, if, if you want to have a successful team, like you said, focusing on development over wins, you really got to make the most out of that gym time because you can't just uh, roll out the ball on Sunday, like you said, and expect that your players are developing necessarily. Um, but, you know, as we all know, like other, every AAU program is different. Everyone has their own different priorities. But I really like what you're doing because it's focused on on development and, and just is kind of a almost like a little bit of a segue to I know something we'll talk about uh, later. Like I imagine that um, a lot of the high school coaches or coaches that you talk to or perhaps work with are, are probably happy that, that you like to focus on the development aspect versus just trying to win as many tournaments or, or showcases as you possibly can. I, absolutely. And now I'll say that most, <laughs> most, most high school coaches are definitely happy of the fact that you're helping develop uh, players in the area. Uh, when it comes to, when it comes to like recruitment for, for coaching, one of the things that I've learned uh, throughout the process is uh, the more talented the area that mm -hmm. you that you play in is, just the more attention you're going to get in general for for everybody. So if you're yeah. playing against top level talent, um, just it's just that much more likely that the area is going to be recruited, and um, that means looks for for everybody, the for everybody here. So here in El Paso, I think we're definitely an ascending um, region when it comes to being recruited, especially on the girl side. Um, but it's all coming from because the general talent um, in El Paso has has skyrocketed in the last couple of years. Uh, there's a lot of AAU programs, a lot of people that are really doing things the right way that is um, improving the, the talent pool. And because of that, uh, we're really getting notoriety and we're getting a lot of um, uh, attention from the from the college coaching world. So. Um, I think everybody should be happy if anybody's developing talent in your area. Yeah, 100%. Before we uh, really dive into this topic, I know that you are uh, a PE teacher and work in, in physical education. And, and I always like when I have guests who are in PE specifically uh, to talk about what they currently see as like the state of physical education, because that's one of those subjects I feel like is just so different from state to state and area to area and there's so much variety in so many different ways that that PE is is emphasized or, or talked about or even ta taught so I'm just curious uh where do you currently see the state of like PE in your area and, and where, where would you like to see it kind of go in the future uh that's an interesting question um i don't have a lot a lot to compare with because uh the i've only i've only coached here in in texas and then i've only coached uh, in, the, in the p world um in one district so it, it's really hard to say because even within we have a handful of districts here in el paso so even uh within the districts it's uh there's definitely a lot of variety um as a sports coach i think i would love to see a lot more um skill development going on during PE, although I, mm. I'm sure that's controversial because that's not necessarily the role of a, <laughs> of a PE coach. But I, I think that, that you can do the role of the PE coach, the, you know, you can follow your, your teaks or, um, you know, the, the curriculum and still within the games that you play, still emphasize uh, skill development. 
uh, so it improves the talent level as a whole. You got uh, call, excuse me, middle school coaches that are already starting at just a little bit higher level than they have to versus having to basically teach a kid how to dribble right from the a seventh grader how to dribble or, uh, you know, a seventh grader how to put his fingers on the on the laces, football line, uh, that kind of thing. So what I've noticed in terms of, of trends, I think that there's a lot of uh, invention, a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, there's just a, a lot of new concepts that are being introduced just for the sake of being new or being different. Uh, we're, we're playing a lot of really fun games with a lot of really cool rules, uh, but the emphasis on any actual skill development or the emphasis on a healthy lifestyle that um, PE is supposed to teach uh, kind of goes out the window. Whereas, so we're being innovative for the sake of being innovative. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... And then, like you said, it's so hard to talk about, like, I guess, PE as, as a whole, right? When everybody kind of does something differently, you have ones who are, I know I've, I've seen programs that are very like health-based and very focused on the health education aspect and more in like healthy living. Some are very big on sports itself and some who are kind of more on the emphasis of, like you said, kind of like skill development and working on things differently. It's one of those that, you know, for, for better or for worse, I feel like doesn't have a lot of uh, oversight usually on it. So you kind of get like, every kind of experience and, and almost like anything could potentially be happening in, in the PE world, hopefully for better. But um, I, it just seems like there's a lot of freedom there. At least that's my outsider viewpoint on it. And absolutely. The, that's actually a great point. There, there is so much freedom. So nowadays, at least here in, in Texas, where we have the standardized testing, uh, mm -hmm. teachers are so are being, um, held to such a high standard there's there's so many things and and kind of um you know dots that they have to or you know t's that they have to cross and i's that they have to dot and in the pe world it's just that's just not the case you're, you're given so much autonomy and you're given so much freedom that you can make your program um whatever you want it to be and unfortunately with that freedom comes comes the the types of programs that well they you know they kind of the bare minimum type of programs because of that freedom and then, you know, obviously they are the, the, the programs that use that freedom to just be, like I said, just be innovative uh, and be an extension of that classroom, uh, which I think is one thing that also kind of gets, uh, gets forgotten by, by a lot of PE coaches is that we can be such a tool mm -hmm. in, the, in the kids' learning process in, in the classroom as well. Uh, just the, the discipline, the things that we teach in, in the PE classroom can extend to the regular classroom and uh, we can reiterate lessons from the from their actual classroom into the PE world. It's just it should be a, again a partnership, and I think we're going to talk about partnership as yeah, well right. when it comes it to kind of, AAU. Yeah. yeah, it kind of fits in, right? It's like a natural transition about uh, you know the topic of AAU and, and and high school coaches and 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 the partnership that hopefully would exist between the two. And I guess to kind of start to to kind of get. A frame of reference from your experience what what is from what you see maybe not just necessarily with you but also if you want with other AAU coaches you know what, what's kind of the state of the uh partnership that that exists that you see between the AAU and high school basketball coaches in your area how do they like work together if at all uh well here here in El Paso so we have um we have a handful of kind of the the top tier type AAU programs 
that get a certain level of respect from high school coaches just because of the trajectory and and the things that they that they've done. And then we have your standard kind of city league type teams that are you know just as valuable, but maybe don't have the 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 history because a lot of those high school or excuse me, a lot of those city league teams are kind of newly formed and and mm. barely kind of getting feet under them. Um, so there is quite the spectrum here in El Paso in terms of the the um, relationship between that AAU world and the high school world. And I think it's it's an evolving relationship. I think uh, it's very dynamic right now, and I think it's transitioning. Um, there, At least in my experience here in El Paso, there was a time where the, the AAU just, I mean, there was maybe one, maybe two really prevalent teams. And I mean, that, that meant 10, 11 girls uh, in the entire city, you know, that, that were. So if you were lucky enough to have one of those girls on your team, um, it, it was definitely a positive but when it comes to being a, a high school coach. Uh, but that's changed. And like in college recruiting, for example, um, a lot of college coaches emphasize the AAU side of things, which is the high school side of things nowadays. Uh, so that relationship is, is definitely um, evolving and transforming. And here in El Paso, that spectrum is wide. You have programs that work really closely uh, within the the restrictions that we have uh, through UIL, the um, the governing body of high school sports here in Texas. Um, but you also have coaches on the other end of the spectrum that just refuse to to work with AAU coaches and vice versa. AAU coaches that just refuse to have any sort of relationship or contacts with with high school coaches, which is ultimately is just detrimental to to the player themselves. And just for reference, uh, what is the age group of your your current AAU team? Uh, I have uh, JV and varsity girls. So okay, 16 so they're, they're right in the thick of their their high school career. Then they're 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 right in it. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I started with them pretty young. Um, that one of the really cool things about our program is that since I started with that kind of a little bit of a farm league there with the elementary age kids, and then they kind of we've all kind of grown together so my program has grown at the same pace or you know kind of had that symbiotic relationship with the growth of the players so as they've grown uh they've demanded uh higher level coaching from me they've demanded higher level competition and then we moved on to the aau world which is what now uh which is where what we emphasize obviously the uh the getting getting girls recruited and getting girls to fulfill their their basketball dreams hopefully and so in that time frame you must have had to yourself interact with and work with a lot of coaches as your players have, have gotten older and older am, am i correct in that yes absolutely and um the just the nature of my program um i do have i had a a, a large group you know or you know i just i had a good group of players that went to the same high school but then as the program grew, I started getting players from high schools all over El Paso. So now, uh, as we sit right now, I have players pretty much all over the city. So the relationships are definitely different with each each high school coach. Some I have zero relationship with, not not because not on purpose, not because they're shut me down or anything. It's just that it hasn't presented itself. And then I have really strong relationships with, with other coaches as well. So it, it, even within my program, there's quite the spectrum, the spectrum of uh, when it comes to the relationship. And, and just to kind of add on to that, what was that process like for you as your players started to branch out and, and be at different programs in different schools? What was the 
um, process for you to like reach out and, and, and talk to those coaches? Did, did you find that that was something that in general that the other coaches were really like receptive on? Did you find you had to put it, put a lot of work in? What, what was that like just trying to get to know who, who their coaches were and, and have those initial conversations? I, definitely early on when uh, when my my players were getting into the high school world, when I had a lot of freshmen, a lot of players that you knew were likely going to become, you know, varsity level players right from the jump. And I wanted to make sure that my players were prepared for that. Um, as my players were growing, I was growing as a coach. You know, I, I was afraid mm -hmm. that uh, if I plateaued as a coach, they were going to plateau as players. So especially early on as uh, these eighth graders are going to move on to, to high school. I reached out to a lot of different coaches. Um, I, I think at the, at that point, I maybe hadn't really developed my identity as a coach and my, um, uh, my coaching philosophies or I hadn't honed them in yet yeah. basically. So I was reaching out for, to see what was being emphasized in these different programs so that my players could be ready uh to basically hit the ground running as they came to to those individual programs um i didn't get a lot of response i had uh, one particular coach that definitely was was the most receptive and um just with conversations with him i think i i understood a lot and then one of the things that i i learned is that as long as i focus on the development and the skill development of my players um they they'll fit into any system so rather than having me emphasizing like teaching a specific system or emphasizing uh, something that's going to be run in a specific system, I just, I teach skills, I teach actions. Um, and that's something that I learned in the process. And I think I, I've been pretty successful with uh, since. So rather than teaching plays in my program, we teach how to play. And then you can take those concepts to whatever play your coach is going to teach you. And I think that's one of the biggest concerns that a lot of high school coaches have and, and maybe why sometimes that relationship is a little complicated is because high school coaches are worried that maybe perhaps their AAU coach is trying to have them learn a different system and learn like unlearn things that they as a high school coach had tried to teach them. And, and so sometimes I feel like that just creates an adversarial or a difficult relationship right off the bat because there's that fear of like, oh, what new things is this, you know, AAU coach going to be trying to like teach my player when I want them to, you know, hone in and learn on like the system that we're currently running. Right. And, and I guess if, if there's something that I, um, that I kind of defer from my, from a high school coach, and really that comes from, in my opinion, it comes from the different, the demands of the position. So a uh, high school coach, uh, whether you, they like it or not, they have certain expectations of success and of winning, right? There, a lot of times their jobs are depending dependent on a certain amount of success. So they don't necessarily winning championships, but I mean, you can't go oh and oh and eighteen you know, <laughs> four seasons in a row. And I don't have that. I don't. I don't have. It's my program. Uh, it's a voluntary program. It's a free program. So I don't have those demands. If, if somebody wants to play, I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to coach whoever wants to be coached by me. Uh, so because I don't have the demands of or the expectations, yeah. I can really emphasize on development. And coaches in high school will run a lot of plays that when the high school players come back to me, one of the things that I kind of have to push them away from is uh, just kind of the robotic make the next pass because that's what the play dictates versus reading defenses, 
you know, recognizing space and, and the kind of concepts that make you a better all around player versus make you better at running that play. And I don't know if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and there's probably, again, I think all, all high school coaches would probably wish that all AAU coaches were, were like that and, and would probably make their day a, a lot better if they knew that that's what was happening in the AAU world. And I'm, I'm sure, and you can speak to this, that, that I, I just know as a high school coach and somebody who talks to a lot of high school coaches, that there's just this idea that there's AAU coaches who just aren't doing any form of teaching and just running their players out in these showcases and tournaments and just burning them out and not teaching them anything. And then they're, they're scared of, of that happening where, you know, players are, are just playing all the time and not really learning anything. And, and I can imagine that there could be that initial like skepticism perhaps that existed with your program where they're trying to figure out like, are these, are these players really going to learn anything there? Or are they just like playing a bunch of games sort of thing? Absolutely. And I think that's where, where really you have to emphasize those relationships and the communication between them. And not necessarily so that I can tell you how, how to do your job or you can tell me how to do mine, but the, just a conversation with a, with another coach, I think you can really glean their first of all what they emphasize uh, secondly kind of their level of knowledge and you can gain a, uh, a certain level of of comfort in in like okay well this guy is at, at the very minimum is saying the right things mm -hmm. and uh looks like they have at least a working knowledge of the game <laughs> so maybe i give them i give them a little bit of uh flexibility and and uh maybe let them work a little bit and then see what the and then see the what the results right for for the most part in the aau world we have, um, there's a trajectory there, there's a history there, there's, uh, there's results. You know, you can see the results, you can see the results both in the development of players, in, you know, local leagues, you can see which, which programs are, are usually at the top of the leagues. You can see on Twitter and social media who's out there winning tournaments. So uh, I think if you just, as coaches, if we just communicate a little bit more, I think you can see that, okay, you know what, this coach right here, I'm probably not going to give a lot of leeway to because, you know, it's just a coach that's going out there to throw some players on the court. <laughs> but this other coach, maybe we need to really nurture that relationship because I want more of my players to go to that coach. And that, and that I think, speaks to also, mm -hmm. as I'm just kind of thinking about that, like the importance it, it feels like for a lot of AAU programs to really put it out there what they're doing, um, the, the things that they're teaching, you know, whether they're putting it out there on social media or whatever the case may be, because I'm sure, and I've been in this position as well, a lot of high school coaches are, are looking to, you know, get their players like set up with good uh, club teams or AAU teams if they don't have any of their own or can't do it for time commitments or whatever. And there are, I, I can speak in the Phoenix area for sure. And I'm, I'm sure it's even, it seems like it's grown in your area that there's just so many AAU teams out there that it's very, very difficult for a player, even sometimes a high school coach, to even know which ones are good and doing the right things. And so I feel like what, what you're doing of kind of, you know, promoting all the things you're doing out there on social media and really getting your program out there can definitely help a high school coach. Like, like okay, this is where I want, you know, my player to, to be playing club or at least take a look at this particular AAU team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's not, it's something that I wasn't, uh, that I wasn't really the best at initially, and I'm, I'm definitely not not super active on social media now. I'm I'm not a social media person in uh, in my personal life, so I, that extends a little bit to where mm -hmm. you know it. I I definitely have to put in effort 
<laughs> to do the social media stuff for for our teams but um it's it's definitely a whole new world I mean, there's a lot of recruitment going on and uh, just via twitter so um and you know the other social media platforms so it's something that you either adjust to or or you know you're going to go by the wayside but you're right the more that's out there because there's programs here that have a um kind of national level or at least regional or state level kind of uh alliances allegiances yeah so that you know you have a team that has a program here in san antonio and dallas and houston and just with that name alone is going to come a certain level of respect you know and I, I don't have that my team my program came uh you know we kind of grassroots type of program so uh it's that much more important for me and my team for us to get uh, ourselves out there and, and make sure that people know what we're doing the positive things that are going on in our program the success um that the players are having uh both uh, from a college recruitment standpoint uh and from uh, the success that our team is having from a, uh, from a tournament standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you have instances that come up now, especially as your players are getting into, into, in, into deep into their high school careers of trying to balance being comfortable with, with playing for both coaches? I know one of the things you really emphasized was that you're big on development, which I think helps a lot, but do you ever have these, these conversations with your players when you're coaching them or trying to develop them where they have the, well, my high school coach says this, or, you know, my trainer says this or whatever the case may be. And if so, like, how do you kind of work through those things? Yeah, you, that happens, you know, absolutely all the time. I have a group of players that have been playing for me since they were in fifth grade and now they're seniors. Um, so just um, they're going to have, uh, I guess, a little bit more allegiance toward our team, toward our program and what we do, because they've been doing it for so long and that's all they've known. So they've had a different middle seventh grade coach, a different eighth grade coach, a different high school coach and freshman JV varsity. But they've had me the entire time. So there's going to be an inherent um, kind of a lean toward me and my program. But the main thing that I try to tell these players, uh, especially them, is that it's in basketball, there's, there's not a lot of wrong. There's just different. So, I mean, there's how many different ways can we think of to, to defend a pick and roll, for example? So if I happen to emphasize um, kind of a, a trap to pick and roll and your high school coach happens to emphasize just a, a switch, that doesn't mean either one of those things is wrong. It's just different. So what I try to emphasize is everything that you're taught, whether it's by me or by your high school coach, it's just another tool. So there might come a time where that the problem in front of you is going to require that different tool. So um, I think as long as you emphasize that versus saying, you know what, your, your high school coach is wrong or your AAU coach is wrong, uh, I, I think that helps the player because that player has more perspectives. They have more tools to, to draw from on the basketball court. And, and that's really worked out for me because initially that wasn't the case. You know, I, I have an ego just like, uh, <laughs> just like everybody else. So initially, you know, you, you started like, oh, no, man, that guy's wrong or no, that guy's not doing it the right way. But you know, I, I think with the maturity, uh, both of age and of age within the sport, I think I've learned that, I mean, there's, in basketball, there's, um, you know, there's a thousand ways to skin the cat. So uh, it's just the thing that I emphasize again, is just, it's, it's different, not wrong. So as, as long as we're all on that same page, I think we can be successful. And, and you might even come up, come across instances where, you know, if, if I'm a, 
if I'm a high school coach and the AAU coach, you know, says that I'm wrong. Like if I can't, if I can't change their mind or I can't work with them and hopefully I'd be able to, I think that it's, it's in my best interest to still remain like positive and just say, Hey, it's just like, you know, they can say, you know, I'm, I'm wrong or whatever, but like, this is the tool that we're doing. And this is the way that we're doing things versus a situation where, you know, they hear from an AAU coach, like, Hey, your, your high school coach is wrong. High school coaches, Hey, your AAU coach is wrong. And then all of a sudden, like as a player, I feel like you almost have to like choose or pick sides. And I don't know about you, but I feel like that would be the worst sort of position we could put our players in when we almost force them to, you know, side with someone and go with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That, that couldn't be, that couldn't be more true. So um, early on, there was, there's one particular coach that I think had a, a very negative opinion of me uh, or actually of me specifically um, and of our program. And uh, one of the statements that the player that the coach made was uh, to one to a player that was already getting high uh, college interest as a junior um, told her, hey, man, you need to go. You need to go to a real program like where they're actually going to teach you something. And so that obviously kind of came at my at my ego, like I was talking earlier. Um, but I, I think I quickly I kind of managed to where. If, if there's something specific that is being said that maybe I'm teaching incorrectly or whatever the case may be, what I try to do is I try to tell the player, look, this is the, con the overall concept. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is why I teach that thing the way I teach that thing. Because in our, the, our way of doing things, this leads to this, which leads to that, which leads to that. And your team on the high school side is, has a whole different concept that requires a whole different approach to you know, the pick and roll or whatever it is that we're talking about at the time. But um, it definitely, that type of crosstalk, I guess, where you're trying to put, you're putting a player um, in a situation where they have to choose. I think that's as bad as it gets when it comes to, for the player. Because again, they're going to have certain allegiances. They're going to have certain like feelings toward their AAU coach that they've been with forever but they also want to be successful in high school. So they, they can't just say, <laughs> yeah, no, my right. high school, you know, so it, it's such a negative position to put a player in. And I think that's one of the times that we have to really um, remind ourselves why we do what we do. We're like why you're a high school coach and why I'm a AAU coach. And it shouldn't have anything to do with me and with you. It should have everything to do with the player. So as I, we remind ourselves of that, I think you can move on from, from the ego bruise that happens once in a while. As best as you can, as best as you can. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. Uh, are you concerned at all about player player burnout? I know that that's always a hot topic of players who play, you know, AAU and then they play club and, and or other, multiple AAU teams and then their high school season. But when, you, when you're working with your players, is that something you're, you're mindful of or, or, or work on? And if so, what, what's that like? And, and how do you sort of manage that? Yeah, very much so. I'm, I really, really, really emphasize rest. Um, I'll give you a quick, um, early on, early on in our, in our travel, um, when, once we got into the kind of national level type of traveling, um, there was a local tournament here in, in El Paso and mm -hmm. the, my players were asking me, hey coach, are we going to do this tournament? The tournament was one weekend before we were going to go out of town. We were going to go to Austin, to Austin, Texas. So I told them, no, we, I, I want you guys to rest this weekend. We're only going to have one practice in between now and then, kind of a walkthrough. And then, uh, and then we, you know, we, we travel out to, to Austin that we were rested and everything. So 
they're like, okay, but we're not doing the local tournament. I was like, no, we're not doing the local tournament. So then uh, I look on our social media and uh, one of the teams that's in the championship game has like five out of my nine players that are, so they jumped on another team, another, another coach asked them to jump on. Hey, look, your RS Gold's not playing the tournament. You should just come run with us. So it put me in a position where I want to really emphasize the rest. But if I don't do a tournament, these girls are going to be get hounded by other, <laughs> by other coaches. They're like, hey, just help us out in this tournament. Just help us out. Hey, RS Gold's not doing it. Come on, out, you know, jump in with them. And um, I think we have to be really, uh, we have to protect players of, uh, from themselves, from yeah. that perspective. Because, I mean, I remember even now, uh, like I still play flag football. And if you called me at 7.30 and, at night and told me, hey, there's an 8 o'clock game, man, come help us out. Like I'm, I'm grabbing my cleats and I'm heading out there. But the players that hope to make a future out of the, out of the sport and everything, you really have to protect them from themselves, from themselves sure. because they're going to want to play everything. Uh, even if it might be detrimental to to their future, both from um, uh, like an exhaust standpoint, fatigue that really makes makes you prone to to injury, and from a mental burnout. Um, I've had a couple of players that have been so passionate about the sport, like early on in, in their youth, and then they get to high school and they're like, you know what, I'm I'm kind of done with I'm kind of done with basketball at this point, mm. uh, which which is like one of the saddest things for me to see when. Uh, somebody that has all that talent and has worked so hard for such a long time just get completely burned out from the sport. And it's one of those things I imagine that you have to be very like mindful of when you consider like how deep, you know, the high school season goes and how much work their, their high school coaches expect from them. And I don't know, you, you can, you can talk about whether or not all the high school coaches kind of have the same sort of um, schedules that they run, but I, you know, I know certain high schools that they're, they're going, they're going all out all the time and have deep seasons, do a lot of tournaments during the season, go deep in the postseason versus others who maybe don't have as much success and their players might come to you with, you know, different levels of, uh, how much basketball they've played in their, in their high school season. Yeah. One of the, one of the current, um, uh, trends and something that's being emphasized a lot here locally is the, the spring and the summer leagues that are specific to to the high school so mm -hmm. that there's a lot of uh, leagues popping up that that actually get kind of not organized but they get emphasized by the high school coaches where um you're going to go representing your high school it's going to be your high school team um there's it's not very formal i mean they have reps but they don't really keep track of like fouls or anything sure. like that the girls don't have numbers and they just go out there and play you know as part of their their team but the, a lot of them have uh, two or three leagues that they're running. So they're going to play on Wednesday nights. They're going to play on Friday nights. And then they have to practice with me on Mondays and Wednesdays. And then we have games Saturdays and Sundays. So now you're talking about a full week's worth of basketball for, for these players. And, and at what point do they, do they get that rest? So we have right now there's spring leagues that are going on as we speak. And then uh, as we transition into late June, then they'll turn into summer leagues uh, for the high schools. Uh, and that's where I think we have to be a little bit more respectful and, and kind of be a little bit more mindful of the types of players that you have and what you want to emphasize for them. Because if you have, in my opinion, if you're a high school coach like yourself, you have, you know, 12 girls in your varsity program and four of them are in a AAU team um, that 
that is a good AAU team that is really emphasizing development and all that. And then you have eight girls that aren't in any outside league. Well, for those girls, absolutely. They need that summer league. They need that spring league. But for the AAU girls, well, they're already getting that teaching. They're getting that development. And in the yeah. spring league, at least, at least here in Texas, the coaches, the high school coaches aren't allowed to coach. So oh, okay. it's basically, yeah. so, so it's basically pick up basketball uh, while they're out there. They're usually either being coached by a parent or maybe a, a senior that is graduating uh, from their program. Um, and so there's not a lot of teaching going on, at least not, not in game. So to me, I think I would much rather have a girl going out with, with a dedicated coach, you know, co practicing and doing their things on with their travel program than going into one of these types of games. <laughs> now, it's absolutely necessary for the girls that aren't doing anything in the summers. Absolutely. Or, and, you know, I keep saying girls, but obviously I, I mean players in general. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, but um, I think you, you have to a little, be a little bit more mindful and differentiate a little bit between what you have. You know, we do a lot of differentiating in the, high, in the classroom where, you know, you got your kids that are exceeding expectations. I, I think that's something that we can carry on here and say, okay, this girl is really important to my program, but she's very important to my program because she's developed so much in her AAU team. So maybe I let that development continue and I allow the spring league to really focus on bringing my, my girls that are at a lower level, bringing them more up to speed and giving them all those extra minutes and giving them all that extra emphasis. Um, but that's the biggest, that's the big trend right now. And, and that's one of the big things that I'm having to con contest with, because if I make, there's literally a league, a spring league every, every weekday. So if I make wow, my yeah. practices on Mondays, I'm going to lose out on two or three of my players. If I switch it to Tuesdays, I'm going to lose out on three, four others. So it's definitely something that I'm, that I struggle with as an AAU coach. And if I tell a player, Hey, look, just come to our practice. They're like, but coach, I'm not, they're, they're, you know, you know, they're not gonna let me play. She's not gonna. I'm not gonna start next season, and I'm not gonna be a, you know. And so it's again, it's, it's we're placing the player in a really tough position. It's interesting to hear all of the different situations that that your that players get into, and 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 overall, what I think one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten, you know, kind of so far from the conversation is just how important it is for, you know, your AAU coach and high school coach just to talk and just know what their players like actual year round schedule will end up looking like if they do both, because I feel like there could be cases where AAU coaches really don't understand the lengths and how long a high school like season goes on. And at the same time, I also think that, high school coaches like myself sometimes don't really understand the amount of time that some of these AAU events take and just the overall toll that it takes on your players. I, I, I just get the sense that, you know, there's a big maybe misunderstanding between a lot of the two in terms of like, Hey, like overall, this is how much time we're asking for that player to commit to basketball. And, and maybe we're just not aware of the, uh, the commitment overall that we're asking our, our players to commit to. And, and maybe that in part leads to like the burnout that you were talking about. Absolutely. And I'll give you an example, actually, that just occurred very mm -hmm. recently on my team. Um, I have a young lady that uh, her parents are, are very, very much uh, that they very much emphasize academics as, as they absolutely should. And uh, so the young lady has a couple of tests coming up, uh, you know, end of year type stuff, uh, advanced placement courses, that kind of thing. And 
so she didn't come to practice for a, for a couple of weeks or a couple of days. And I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? And we're like, well, my mom doesn't let me go because, you know, I have these tests that I have to study for. Um, so if at first I'm like, ah, you know, just get her out of here. <laughs> she's going to have to balance. She's going to have to balance academics and sports in, in college when she, if she, you know, is lucky enough to go out there. But um, when considering the demands of the high school side as well, uh, you know, early morning practices, uh, the the afternoon kind of open gyms that they're, you know, strongly encouraged to go to the um, and then these spring league type games. And then aside from that is the practices, uh, you know, that it makes sense to me now or like, you know, kind of in retrospect, it kind of makes sense that, well, at one point, does this little girl get to read a book? Uh, you know, when does she get to study? When does she get to do her academic side, which you want them to grow and academically as well? So that's another factor of when we kind of overwork these players and, and not understanding each other's, what we're demanding of the players, um, both from the high school side and the AAU side. Hmm. Just curious as kind of a follow-up to that about what, what have your conversations uh, been like with, with parents? Have you discussed that at all about burnout and the time commitment that they're, that they're giving to basketball and everything? Because I get the, I get the sense from, from your experience that uh, these must be parents that you've uh, worked with and known for a very long time as their kids have basically grown up in your program. So uh, just curious about the the conversations, if, if they have occurred about burnout or, or just any other like conversations basketball related that, that you've had with um, your players' parents. I have. Uh, and, you know, I mean, every relationship with, with the parents obviously is different. I think I, um, I think the, the players, or excuse me, the parents have seen, you know, how I interact with their, with their kids. Um, what I emphasize in my program. So I get a lot of trust from, from my, from my parents. I know a lot of AAU coaches have horror stories <laughs> when it comes to, to the players, but I have very few, very, you know, I definitely, uh, I can count them in one hand. For the most part, I have a lot of parents that are very trusting of, of what I do. They, they entrust their kids with me for, for trips and things like that. Uh, and I have had the different conversations like, hey, you know, you're going to get calls from coaches if they're not playing this tournament or if they're not going to this league or whatever. Uh, maybe just don't let her. <laughs> <laughs> don't let her go out and do that one. Or um, I've had conversations with, co with, with parents that say, hey, look, this other program is asking us. It won't interfere with yours, uh, which is kind of an, a, a very recent phenomenon uh, that, I've, that I'm contending with where they're like, you know, this is a, one of those other travel programs and they just want her to help out in, in this one tournament, but it's not going to interfere with you. Like it's not going to interfere with the practices and this and that. And I don't think they understand that even if it doesn't interfere from a scheduling standpoint, um, when you have a lot of, a lot of hands in the, you know, a lot of hands in the pot at the same time, you, sure. you, inevitably there's going to be, there, there, you're going to come up with things that are going to be contradictory that's going to put the player in a bad spot. You have the fatigue standpoint that we just, uh, that we just talked about. Um, you have, like, I, I kind of always refer to the, to the concept of the development of a player as kind of like uh, we're all kind of horses pulling the carriage. And if we're all pulling in the same direction, that player is going to be really successful. But if we start pulling in different directions, that player is going to pretty much stand still. And uh, if I have one coach that's telling you to adjust your shot this way, and I'm telling you to adjust your shot this way. Uh, well, now, which one are you going to do? 
And really what I've seen in my experience is that none of those things, that basically your, your shot doesn't change because you're trying to emphasize something one time, emphasize another thing another time. And then from the um, academic standpoint, I, I definitely, I communicate with my players a lot uh, to tell them that you know, academics are first because mm -hmm. you can have all the, all the skill. And then if you don't have the GPA that you need for a certain scholarship, well, your, your skill's not going to matter. So there's, um, we definitely have conversations where if a player, if a parent says, hey, I'm going to hold back, I'm going to hold this, um, my daughter back from, from a practice, for the most part, hey, you know, do what you got to do. I, I'm understanding. Even though deep inside, I'm definitely like, ah. Bring this <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. Like, like the situation I just had, uh, you know, just a couple of days ago. But um, I think that especially early on, I had a lot of conversations with, coach, with, with parents. Um, I think now, because I've had them for so long, I think we have a pretty good understanding of what's going on. So the conversations don't, don't occur as often. And I do think that that's something that I have to improve on, that I, I have to, just as a kind of a, a, a check mark or a little waypoint, just like, hey, this, this is where your daughter's at right now. This is what we're emphasizing. This is, uh, this is where I'd like for her to go next, that kind of thing. And you have some parents that are very involved from that standpoint, and you have some parents that, that aren't, uh, you know, demands of, of work and things like that, or just a lack of knowledge of the game that they're like, you know, they just let, let the coaching, let the coaches do their job, which I'm perfectly okay with as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, uh, we, not, not, that's not, not a bad thing either. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I, I do think that I do have to improve in certain cases. I do have to improve it in having those conversations, just keeping everybody in the loop of what we're trying to do um kind of as a community for for their daughter when we think about you know the the ways that um relationships or the dangers or pitfalls that could occur between aau and high school coaches i know we've touched on a few of them already but in your experience maybe not even your experience or just experiences that that you know what what are maybe some other things that we haven't addressed outright yet that that happened that caused this relationship between AAU and high school coaches to be damaged and we can we can just start there I know we've touched on a few but are there any others that, that you think or you've seen in your experience that uh can can cause th those two coaches to just never get along um I think we've talked about a, a lot of the kind of the, the pitfalls that I've seen and the stuff that I've kind of um, um, that, that I've kind of ha had to face throughout the, the different phases of our of our program. Uh, I think the number one thing is understanding that that it's a it's a community process. And I'll give you a quick example. So um, just yesterday, actually, I was at um, the college signing for for one of my players, a young lady that I've been coaching for since since she was in fifth grade so awesome. you know i've known her i've known her for about seven seven going on eight years yeah um and um it, the high school which i definitely applaud them for it's my it's the high school that i went to they oh, give each athlete they give their at their athletes like their own moment uh, a lot of high schools here in el paso give like when it comes to a college signing like every player from every um every sport that signing has like the one signing day and you know you're sitting in your table with your school and everything and you get about five minutes worth of you know of attention and then it moves on to the different athlete 
And in this particular one um, at this school, and this is the second one that I've gone to in the last two weeks, uh, because one of my other players from the same school signed as well, they're given their own little moment. And mm. with that, with that, everybody uh, or the player are, is given the opportunity to say, okay, I want this person, this person, and this person to, to basically give a speech on my behalf. So when, I, when I've gone in both of these um, signings that I've gone in the last two weeks, there was about seven different people that spoke um, on behalf of the player because they're, they interacted with that player in, in one way or another, whether it was a pl somebody like me that has interacted with her since she was in fifth grade or uh, the trainer, um, the volleyball coach, even though she wasn't signing for volleyball, the, uh, the track coach, the basketball coach, their middle school. There was a lot of, of different people that spoke on behalf of, of the player that had a very important and crucial role in getting the getting this young lady to the position that she was in. Mm -hmm. um, so, in you know, kind of bringing it back to the point, I think we need to really, really understand that that player's development and that player's success is not dependent on you and you only. <laughs> Yes, it is. Well, it is such a such a community um, type of, of environment there where there's so many different people that contribute to the success of a player that we need to make sure that we're being respectful of everybody's role in that player's life. So whether that's, you know, given um, the player time with her parents and whatever their the feedback that the parents are going to give them. Uh, and giving, if we go back to what we're talking about, obviously giving the high school coach their time, their full season to be able to interact and, and just really connect with that player without a height, without an AAU player kind of get, excuse me, AAU coach getting in the way and then vice versa. So right now is AAU time. So maybe from a high school coach perspective, we need to be respectful of that too, because as I've seen in all these signings that I've gone to, and, and I've been lucky enough that we're working on number six now for, for this year for my 22 graduates. And um, in every single one, you see that all the different people that if you listen to the player's speech and who they thank, there's just so many different people are part of that, that, uh, that community that leads to their success. And I think that's the pitfall that sometimes we think as a coach that like, I'm making this girl better. <laughs> well, yeah. well, maybe. Yeah, you absolutely are, but you're just one person um, that's making her better at one facet of her life. Yeah, I think it is It is really easy to kind of get, like, have that narrow point of view and kind of forget, like, big picture about all the people that are involved. And it, as you mentioned, the fact that, like, for that player to reach the levels that they did it took them all, all these different adults in their life working together for that player's better, betterment and not, you know, just, just one person thinking it was all them or, or, or anything like that. And, and you almost have to like zoom out a little bit. So I, I, I completely agree with you there uh, that it's just something to always pay attention to, right? It's always something to be aware that it's not just you. It's, it's a team effort to make this sort of thing happen. Yeah, I, I lost you there for a second, coach. But I think uh, you know, I think you you just reiterated like mm -hmm. the, the important the importance of that of kind of like you said uh, to kind of zoom out and see the the overall picture and and your role in that picture. You know, I think I, I take a lot of pride in in the role that I play in or yep. that I played 
Um, I take a lot of pride in that, but I also have to be cognizant of the fact that it, it definitely wasn't me and me only. And um, and like I, again, I think it's very telling um, when you see the the thank you speeches that the players give at these big moments, um, because it, it's in those big moments that they kind of they kind of uh, in you know start really thinking about their whole journey, and then they start picking out the people that had the most influence in that journey. And I mean, usually that comes out to about seven, eight, nine, ten people. <laughs> So I hope you make it on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So there's like little, little nerves of uh, whether or not you make it on the list. (laughs) I'll give you another, another quick, quick little example. So um, this particular player also just, you know, she's, she's fresh in my mind because we literally just went to it yesterday. Um, But when she sent me the message to invite me to, to the signing, she asked me for my wife's number. And she's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to coach. Can you give me your wife's number? Because, um, you know, she she was also really, really important to me in early on in, in the development and everything. And my wife coached cross country. And this particular young lady ran cross country also. So my wife was completely taken back by it and really kind of uh, in a really positive way, right? Was really yeah. positively surprised at the fact that this young lady thought about her even though she coached her cross country when she was in seventh grade and she's a senior now. Um, but she was, she was there for all the games. Cause you know, she was there with me and my daughter. And um, so that's just another, another little example of how you never know who are the, who are all these different people that are having uh, such a positive impact in all these players' lives. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, before we hit our, concluding segment coach I did want to ask I was just curious uh, as a high school coach is there anything that you think high school coaches can do to help prepare their players for AAU and AAU tournaments and events I feel like we talk about it so much maybe the other way around what the AAU coaches can do for us but what do you think are things that maybe us as high school coaches can do to to get our players ready for these AAU events, which in, in some respects are a, a, a lot different than, you know, a traditional high school game that they would go to on a Friday night? Yeah, I agree. And it, it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting because even myself, I hadn't really thought about it from that perspective. Um, because I, even myself, I kind of always, I try to tell the girls that the better they get, here in the AAU world, the better they will be for their high school. And, and I, I guess I hadn't thought about it from, from that other perspective, but I think the, the number one and most important thing is, is just the development of individual skill uh, and emphasizing that a little bit more, especially later on and in the off season, just the development of individual skill versus thinking about your system or your, um, or your emphasis or your program. Because from a recruiting standpoint, and, and this is something that I emphasize to my players a lot, they're like, you know, Kentucky's not going to go to a to a travel or to a travel event and recruit RS Gold. They're going to recruit the individual player, and they're going to they're going to recruit her not because she runs a play really well, or because she's a very good system player. They're going to recruit her because of her individual skill. Mm. So if we can emphasize skill and we can emphasize development, um, I understand. Don't get me wrong. I am fully aware of the of the responsibilities of a high school coach and the and the demands for results and just the way coaching in general works uh, but if we can especially toward the end of the season or you know in the off-season type programs if we can emphasize 
just like one or two moves and you know i hate to say that word like moves but um but just one or two extra tools that are gonna allow that player to to show out because ultimately these are showcases and you have to i mean like uh, we went to one in, in colorado and they said there's uh, there was 150 something college coaches that were there, but there was a several thousand players. <laughs> so yeah, are you, um, you're not going to show out and you're not going to gain, gain the, 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 um, like you're, you're not going to get a coach to, to look at you because you're, uh, because of all the little things, because you're, you know, you're great rotating or whatever. You're going to have to capture that coach's attention by your skill set and then as they do their due diligence and they they do their their scouting then they'll see the fact that you're great at doing the little things and you know you can run a motion very well and all those things but ultimately what gets the spotlight on you is going to be your individual uh skill set so it, i think that's one way that they if you were if you're really talking about helping them for these types of uh events i think that's the number one thing that i would emphasize and I think that that's a really interesting point because I know I've coached players and in, in girls in particular who are very like great teammates. They're, they're really great team players who don't like a lot of attention on themselves and just want to do the things that are going to help their, their team win. But you said if you have a showcase where there's a lot of like collegiate coaches and things like that out there, you almost have to, in, in, in a good way, almost kind of turn on your, your selfishness a little bit and sort of put the spotlight on you. Otherwise you'll just sort of disappear, like you said, right? When you have thousands of people who attend these events. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm very much a team first type of coach. I, I really, I'm a little old school in that sense where I <laughs> emphasize, you know, paint touches and, you know, oh, I, yeah, there I, you I, I have to battle against, uh, against the, the curry, <laughs> uh, you know, the, I that know. curry mi mindset and everything. Um, and, but, I have learned through this process that you still have to give them their personality. You still have to allow them to flourish as individuals because ultimately it's going to be their individualism, whether, you know, like you were saying, the, their little bit of selfishness, that's going to get them, that's going to get them looked at. Um, you can put film together and everything, but ultimately when you're, when a player is being looked at live, um, you know, that, that girl better show something or they're just going to move on to that next player. And like, I mean, you literally have, you know, 40 more, 40 girls rotating through a court every hour. So yeah, if, uh, if getting like, it out, you better. <laughs> yeah. And, and you still have to contend on the fact that you're not going to be on the court the entire time. Right. I, yeah. I, I try to carry, I try to carry 10 at most 12 players on my, uh, on my teams. Um, but that still means a lot of ro rotating. So, you're going to get, I mean, let's say in, in a 20 minute half, you're going to get 10 minutes um, and you better show out in those 10 minutes if your goal is to, is to get the attention of a college coach. No, so that really leads to your, your personal and your individual ability. That's, I'm, I'm glad we, we touched on that because I, it is something I just don't think that, that sometimes, you know, we as high school coaches think about, but you know, yeah, you're right. If we want those opportunities to exist for our, 
uh, players who are going to go to these events and go to these things, we really got to make sure they, they know what's expected of them and kind of maybe in some cases a little bit of a personality shift that they're going to have to undergo. So, uh, no, I'm really glad that, that we did touch on that. And, Coach, uh, to wrap up, there's a couple of questions I ask every guest. So I'm going to go ahead and get started here with this first one. Um, looking back on your coaching career, what is a moment from that career that you think others listening would be able to learn from? Ooh, uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> um, I think, and again, there's the, the recency bias here, but um, in the last, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've gone to, to five different signings for, for young ladies from our program that have gotten the opportunity to, to sign with colleges. And the common denominator from um, the speeches that the young ladies gave, other than what we already talked about, um, one, one, they all kind of said it in their own way, but one player in particular told me, um, or during her speech and addressing me specifically in her speech, she said, hey, coach, I know that recently you've told me that, um, that, I, that I've gotten really feisty, that I've gotten really, you know, like feisty in my personality. And this was a young lady that had uh, zero confidence. She had, um, she was very shy, very reserved. And in fact, I was like, how is this little girl going to play basketball? She doesn't speak. She, you know, that kind of thing when she was, when she was young and she goes, um, you know, there's something that really, really, you know, touched me when she said, you know, you say that I'm like really feisty now. And she said, but hey, hey coach, it's your fault. You made me this way. Mm -hmm. And the, the thing that I think that, that I, that I learned from and that everybody can learn from is that that this little, this young lady's um, personality transformed in my program. And if I had anything to do with that, great. But the emphasis here is the fact that as a coach, you don't just have an impact on whether or not the girl is able to put the ball in the hole. You transform and have a impact in every aspect of that little girl's life or, or young man's life. So that really hit home where she said, the reason I'm as confident as I am is really what she was uh, implying is because of her interactions with me as in, and, and the things that I've emphasized and how much I've um, really emphasized her coming out of her shell and everything. And every young lady that, has, that addressed me in her, in her signing kind of had a certain, in her own way, kind of had a similar sentiment. So that, I think that's something that you need to really learn as a coach, if you, especially if you're going to dive into the AAU world where you have a little bit more personal of relationships with this young lady, is everything you do impacts that player. You are as big of an example in those girls' lives as there is outside of their parents. So that's huge, in my opinion. You have, um, you can emphasize, you can influence how much, how hard they work in their academics, how hard they work at relationships, how hard they work in general, um, their personalities and how they evolve as individuals. And that's huge. And if you don't understand that, I think you can have such a negative impact on a player. You can completely zap a player's confidence, both on the court and outside the court. And so I think that's a huge thing that I learned in, in the last, you know, hopefully I already kind of understood that, but it really, the point really hit home here in the last couple of weeks as I've gone through, through to these signings. That's awesome. Really, really appreciate you sharing that story. That That's just, 
really that would stick with me for a long time. I know as a coach, if I if I had heard that and 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 had that experience, so no, that that that's great. I'm I'm really glad you had that and. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and to wrap up, Coach, I give every guest what I call a 60-second soapbox. It's your platform to get out kind of a final message, a final thought, a closing idea, something that you just kind of want to leave the listeners with. So I'm leaving this one very open-ended, and I'm not even timing you if you go over 60 seconds. So <laughs> I'm going to let you uh, just kind of take the floor and, and go from here. So, um, so it's okay for me to rant, right? Let's do it. <laughs> so I've been... I think I've tried to, I think the, our conversation has been very positive up to this point, but there is a, there is something that I've seen and I've heard a lot recently that I would really like to, to talk about and emphasize. So, and, and coach, maybe you can also kind of give me your take on this, even though this is the closing moment, but got it. Um, so what I hear a lot now is, or, and, and it's always been the case, but what I, I'm hearing a lot now in the high school side of things and really early in the high school side of things is this concept of playing your role, of knowing, understanding your role and kind of flourishing in your role as a player. Now, the, the, and I understand it and definitely understand it at the, at the higher levels, you know, college and, and, you know, MBA, WNBA. But my problem with it at the high school level is that there's, the way I see it, there's two different ways to emphasize a player's role. There's what I see as the correct way, and that is to emphasize what the player does right while you work on what the player maybe does wrong. And then there's the way to emphasize a role uh, by, which I think is the negative way or the wrong way, and that's by telling them what they do wrong and emphasizing that they not do that on the court. So the most common thing that I've seen that, that has come up with some of my players is that they're told, hey, you don't shoot. You're not a shooter. That's not your role on our team. So by there hasn't been a case that I've seen yet where that has um, motivated a player. Quite the opposite. As soon as I hear a player talking about the fact that they were told that shooting is not their role, it, there's always this demeanor of like kind of defeat. Like I was, I'm a basketball player and I was just told not to shoot. So if anything, it's completely discouraging toward the player. And I would really go as far as to say that if you have a player that can't shoot, well, she's in your program. <laughs> Maybe you should teach her to shoot versus trying to limit the potential of a player. And I think that's where I have the most issue with the fact telling a, a high school kid that this is their role, because to me, it limits them. If you have a freshman that um, just maybe hasn't gotten the right coaching or, you know, the, the right approach to their teaching. And by telling them, hey, you're not a shooter. You're my, you're, you're my defensive stud. You're going to play defense the entire time. Well, I mean, what does that tell, what, what confidence in that player are you exuding? You know, to me that you're telling that player, look, you're not going to get any better at the shooting thing. So just continue, continue to do the, the, the defense thing. You know what I mean? Um, so I really, really, really have a problem with, with the, uh, the way we emphasize playing a role. I understand how role, the playing a role is, is important for your team, but I think this is one of those cases in which we need to really emphasize what's best for the player. All right. That's I think, it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think to just put my my little two cents into it, I'm not saying I'm, I'm perfect at this. I, I certainly make a, a, a lot of mistakes in this regard, but I am overall of the mindset that I would rather have my players 
be thinking the, the positive things rather than the negative things about themselves. I, I don't think it helps them or their development when they're filled with, you know, the things that they can't do and they're going onto the court with that sort of space, thinking about what they're not supposed to do or can't do versus what they can do. Or even if, you know, they're limited in a certain area, I, probably the best way to word it. And again, I'm not saying this is anybody who, who's perfect at this would probably be like this, this is something that like you're working towards like getting better at like this is what what you do really well and, and you definitely want to keep doing that and here's this other skill set that like you're gonna you're gonna need to continue to work at uh, but here's what you do really well and here are the things that you are going to get better at and are just going to have to work that much harder at uh to, to get to the level that you want to be at i think it's just kind of the language that you use probably goes a long way Absolutely, and what you and what you emphasize, right? Absolutely, the language that you use and what you emphasize um, uh, along while you're trying to really sell the player on on their role. Um, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I, I in order to win games, you have to have players that play specific roles. Like that's just that's just the the, the truth of basketball. But I think it, I I think it's so limiting at, because I still see high school as a place to develop. Um, I don't think anybody in their high school world, I don't think anybody in their high school role is already where they're going to be, especially a player that is, that has like college level aspirations and, and college level talent. Um, right. I think it's so limiting and so discouraging for a player. So I think that this is another thing that has been recently um, emphasized. And I've heard, you know, um, player after player after player talk about, well, it's because my role on the high school team is this. Mm. Uh, I just had, I had an instance where a young lady gets the ball in the corner, the ball swings as it should, it, you know, it swung, it, it swung to the corner and she had a wide open three and, uh, and she gave it up and tried to kind of force a pass into a cutter, which turned into a, a turnover, obviously. And then we had about three instances of that kind of back to back to back to back where, where young ladies are giving up a shot, a wide open shot that that came to you naturally as part of like the development of the play or the development of the action. And then you give it up and force something that's not there just because you were told not to shoot. And I have okay. such a problem with that. I really try to emphasize developing basketball players and not developing shooters or developing defenders or, or, or um, passers or dribblers, but basketball players. It doesn't mean that you're going to be the greatest at every aspect, but you should have a working knowledge of all of it, in my opinion. Uh, so it, it's just so discouraging, and I see the, I see the the negative effects that it has on players. Where, uh, you know, I have I have players that take a shot, like especially like right after high school, I have players that will take a shot, and miss, and then immediately look at me to see if I'm going to pull them out of the game. Wow! Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. It does happen. Yeah, it's and it's terrible. And I try to. And this was kind of my general approach to life. Uh, but it's definitely something that I emphasize on to my to the players, and I think all of them can recite it, you know, uh, pretty much by memory. So I always tell them mistakes are okay because they're part of learning. The same mistake over and over is not okay because that means you're not learning. Mm. And then if if they can go on the court with that mindset, I think uh, I think they could be they can be a lot more successful because they know I'm not going to pull them out because they made a bad pass because they know they made the bad pass. What am I going to pull them out for? Just tell them <laughs> that they. <laughs> That they made a bad pass, they know. Yeah. Um, uh, so that's the approach that I try to take into everything, I guess, in, in my life. Where because if you're not willing to make mistakes, you're just you're not never going to grow. Um, 
And uh, but as just in this particular case, that you know, that kind of the the role player kind of really rubs me the wrong way, I guess. So you gave me a soapbox, so I take hey, it. I love it, and I'm I'm glad we're glad we talked about it, and I think that 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 just ties into everything that we talked about. So I'm I'm, I'm perfectly happy that we ended on that point. And uh, coach, I want to thank you for spending some time talking about. Uh, a lot of things here. We, we touched a little bit about PE, talked about your AAU program, kind of the way it got built up a little bit and growing a, your AAU program, uh, but also just, just the ways that, 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 you, that you do your coaching and the way that you talk with the high school coaches and work with them. And, and I think there's a lot of real good insights and tips and things that we can do just to make that partnership just a little bit better. Because ultimately, as we've mentioned many times here, uh, our end goal and our end result is what's best for our players. And I think that for all of the uh, coaching clinics and all the other things we can do to improve our coaching, I think that a hugely beneficial step we, we can do is uh, increase that partnership and relationship uh, with our fellow AAU or high school coaches. So uh, this was great, Coach. Thank you so much. I know you're in the middle of uh, your season currently, so good luck with the rest of that and hope the showcases go well. And uh, I guess good luck uh, in advance to uh, the six players you have who are uh, going to be playing at the next level next year. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Coach. Really appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Coach. I, I really appreciate it. You, you also made me kind of think of things from a different perspective, which is which is great for me. So I really appreciate you having me. It was absolutely fun. And then whenever you want to do it again, I'm absolutely all about it. Excellent. Thank you guys so much for listening. This was another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. We will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.